and I'm your brother, Fireman Diesel Ogaya, and welcome to the Class War Battlefield Podcast. When I started this show in 2011, my goal was to inform, inform, inform. Obviously, the show has evolved, a lot of new topics, a lot of new thoughts, taking on metaphysics, some spirituality, hitting you with all types of things that you may have never heard of, and some that you have. It's always lively. But now I'm coming to you to ask you to help me prolong this podcast. For years, I have been producing this podcast for free on your behalf. I am now coming to you to ask you to support this work. whatever you can do, please do. A storm is rising against a privileged minority of the earth. This is why I say it's liberty or it's death. It's freedom for everybody or freedom for nobody. This is an NBC News hotline special report. We're at a turning point in the history of this nation. We need to stand for freedom. There's an escalating authoritarianism and even a creeping fascism. Freedom is precious. If we don't fight for it, you lose it. This much is clear. We must rebel. This is our country. We have always lived in it. We were happy. Then you came. We have to protect ourselves. We have to save our country. We have to fight for what is ours. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your brother, Primary Diesel Gaia. Welcome to this Class 4 Battlefield Podcast episode. I was actually preparing another uh, episode. I was editing it. And I was listening to um, Joe Biden's address on the budget deal that he had orchestrated with Senate and House Republicans. And in that uh, address, he said that he has long believed that the one true responsibility that government has is to take care of those who they send into harm's way. And to care for them when they come back and the families of those that don't return. This statement did not get a lot of attention. Clearly, it's rooted in the fact that he had a son who went off to war. But, I think there's something deeper to it. And it reminded me of an idea that I had probably about two years ago for an episode that I never recorded. I am going to talk about that idea. Um, But I'm going to do it in a way that I wasn't going to do it back then. So... What exactly is a government if the one true mandate, basically, that it has is to take care of the military? What then does that government create in terms of a society where the, the, the purpose of its existence is to, quote, care for those who it prepares and sends into harm's way to care for them when they come back and the families of those who don't. 
What is then created institutionally for the society if that is the one true purpose that government has? Now, again, I get where it's rooted at for Joe Biden. But if I was a man who deeply believed that the Constitution of the United States was perfect, I would say to Biden, President Joe Biden, that your belief is insane, one, because what then does it mean for government? But two, it is disproved by the Constitution itself. The preamble, which sets the overall structure for the Constitution, lists several other items before it gets to defense. So, I get the pandering. But then again, do I get pandering when he speaks that way? Is it possible that in this line, Joe Biden said more about what conservative and many liberal politicians really believe the role of government is? Because if they truthfully believe that is the one thing that government has the responsibility for, creating what many call a police state is not only what a government is tasked to do, but it is what the government is mandated to do and what it must dedicate its resources towards doing. Because despite what Joe Biden may think he meant, the idea in the phrase, send him off into harm's way, was something that was focus group tested by Republicans. That statement is not one that you can only apply to international situations. Many white folks look at areas that are inhabited by non-white people, black, brown, and red. They typically do not consider many yellow or white-ish looking um, Asians to be uh, in the same category, but the darker the Asian, the more likelihood that they put them into this category. They look at these places as unsafe, especially for lighter-skinned people or white people. Therefore, sending in police officers that share similarities with the military, the patches on their arm, the stripes that they wear, the names um, of their positions and their ranks, all come from the military. Sending police officers in there is akin to sending the lower level or the lowest level of militarism into these places. So therefore, it is the government's job to not only build these forces up, but to ensure that those forces are the dominant forces in any given area. In any given area. That statement that he made is a frightening one. Because it literally gives you a view into the thought process of anti-progressive liberals. The reality is, folks like Joe Biden for the last 40, 50 years has not been interested. They have 
not been interested in building a, a society with structures that foster prosperity, that neutralize violence, that build functioning families, that build holistic entrepreneurial communities that build differences that, that are naturally occurring and foster and nurture those differences for the benefit of the whole. They were interested in building institutions dedicated to controlling society at every level so that the wealthy and those with money can do as they please. You may say to me that this is not a fair deconstruction of that one line. I say to you, Joe Biden in 2020, if I remember correctly, it might have been late 2019, talked about the idea of incrementalism, of getting things done in an incremental fashion. I believe I published a episode, I, I recorded it, I do not recall if I actually published it, but I am going to talk about it here. I, in this episode, rather published or not, I talked about the idea of incrementalism because this was really the first time that it became utilized on a national stage in a way that, that allowed it to take center stage. I talked about how incrementalism was the preferred justification for liberals and conservatives for dragging their feet on progressive and leftist ideas that should have been implemented decades ago. I said in the episode, when you observed the track record of leftists, progressives and conservatives over the last 40, 50 years. What you saw was the people who obviously, clearly utilize incrementalism better and more effectively than all the other groups were conservatives. Therefore, incrementalism was a conservative that liberals either were too stupid to realize was a conservative tool or because I've often said liberals are just conservatives with hearts liberals understood that incrementalism was to the benefit of conservatives and utilized incrementalism as a means of staving off a harder push from the left to get the things that they wanted. In either case, incrementalism benefited the vision for the conservatives. Joe Biden... By acknowledging the vision that, that he sees government uh, projecting, that the idea, the one true mandate government has, is to take care of those that it prepares to send off in the harm's way, to take care of them when they come back, and to take care of the families of those who don't. Joe Biden in that statement, revealed why the society is where it is. 
There was something else that he said, which also caught my attention because I have been harping on this theme for, for a long while. He said he spoke, as often Democrats like to, of protecting protecting old people and the things that they need to survive. He threw in there that, you know, young people, particularly children, might have been kicked off of health care, and that's a tragedy. But here's what I recognized. For my adult life, Everything, and really it goes beyond my adult life, because this was true in my teenage years too. Everything this society dedicate, dedicated itself towards was, quote, protecting old people. Protecting old people. At the same time, it was not dedicated to protecting not young people, not children, because... They, they, the politicians were clear about not wanting to hurt children. Though, you have to wonder sometimes what they meant by that, because they were willing to play with their lives, they were willing to play with their education. They were willing to play with aspects of the society that affected them, but yet they all said, we don't want to hurt children. At the same time, though, they profess not wanting to hurt old people, not wanting to necessarily hurt young children. They seem to have forgotten about teenagers and young adults and adults entering middle age. This has been a theme that has been true to life for me my entire adult life. I've been a, an adult now for 20 years, assuming you enter adulthood when you're 21. I've been an adult for 20 years, and I've heard the same platitudes, cliches about protecting those things that old people need and protecting things that children need. Now again... They left a whole swath of the population out of those considerations. Because you exit childhood, if you look at the new way it's configured, around nine, maybe ten. Those are your preteen years. Then you enter teenage years. Then you're a young adult. You're an adult. Voila. All of those people, though, are not considered for protection under the type of policies that these conservative and liberal Democrats and Republicans, but there are no liberal Republicans anymore, there are just fascist Republicans and conservative Republicans, these people are not in consideration for policies that don't injure them. In fact, the exact opposite is true. Now, you again may, may have just rolled your eyes and said, oh my God, you're, you're building something that's, you're literally taking a statement and you're building this huge monster out of it. He said this. It's not like they're deliberately, you may want to, pause your thought process there. Remember, Joe Biden was one of the signators and supporters of the bill in the year 2005 that made it impossible for people, people with families, young adults, people in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, he, made, he signed that legislation that made it impossible for these people to file Chapter 11. We're going to bankruptcy. I guess it necessarily wouldn't be Chapter 11, but 
they to 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 go into bankruptcy and have expunged from their financial burdens student loans and medical debt. So I'm not creating a monster out of a statement. I'm creating a monster out of his actions. Moreover, when I just look at what has occurred in the past 20 years, I don't have to dig very far to see the injury that has been exacted on everybody but those two groups. We must protect old people and we must semi-protect children. Again, I say semi because these policymakers had no problem with toying with education. They had no problem toying with prescription coverage. They had no problem toying with how money was dispatched to communities, which would impact young people, particularly children. And they had no problem cutting money to, quote, the social safety net programs, which all of that money usually had an impact on a child's life. These were also the same people who had no problem letting expire the child credit extensions and expansions because, well, you know, we don't want children to become hooked on getting free money from the state when corporations could do that and nobody bats an eye. The reason, though, I wanted to touch on these two things is because while I plan on voting for Joe Biden in 2024, I do not want people to forget to vote for better politicians than Joe Biden in the Senate and in the Congress. More, these statements provide a devastating look into the future that these people have set in motion. That future is built around control, 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 control. These folks do not believe in democracy. They say they believe in democracy, but they don't believe in democracy. They believe that they have the right to tell you your choices. And you have the right to pick the one that they want you to pick. They believe that they have the right to set before you the visions that they want to create for the society. And you have the right to pick the one which they tell you you need to pick. Joe Biden believes in the middle class and what built the middle class. But he believes that what built the middle class was capitalism and the government stepping out of the way of capitalists. He says he believes in unions, the right to unionize, and the right to, to union empowerment. But his actions have suggested that he believes in the platitude of unionization, not the actuality of unionization. Now, I'm hoping 
that he is about to change course drastically going into um, 2024. I'm recording this right around the summer solstice in June of 2023 because that he, as a former senator, he understands the power of doing a lot of stuff within the last year um, before an election is held. But if he believes that the playbook used by the Democrats in the 1990s, which was a losing playbook, yes, it got Clinton elected twice, but it cost them the House and the Senate. If he believes that that playbook's going to work, he's sadly mistaken. He is sadly mistaken. Now, what all this also has to do with the old show that I was going to craft, that I was going to publish, that old show being about unionization. That old show being about um, what some, how some leftists saw unions back in the late 1800s. Leftists particularly with roots to Europe and uh, the apprentice systems that existed for hundreds of years over there. What this has to do with that is in a heavily unionized, apprentice-heavy community system, control is not something that the state takes on. Control is something that is organized by the communities and the communities of communities and the societies within those communities of communities. It is through this process of organization that these control dynamics because they're not, they're not particularly restrictive. They are not even constrictive. They are expectational. They expect certain things from certain uh, from from certain people, from certain groups, from certain communities. It is from these organizations that what we think of as state apparatus arises. And what I mean by this is that because these expectations have rooted themselves deeply into the culture of society, naturally occurring formations, structures, institutions, societies within the communities of communities arise to not necessarily enforce these expectations but to remind of the reason for these expectations to inculcate through procedures these expectations think about it if if you have if you are familiar with this think about it as the process that one is taken through when when or in should i say the catholic church's station of the cross these institutions form things stories mythologies bylaws Um, ceremonies, celebrations, things like that, that are built around reminding people why these expectations are there. 
Now, once your family is used to this for hundreds of years, when you then leave those systems and come to a place like the United States, where such expectations are not only shunned, they're looked down upon and subject to severe punishment. Trying to reestablish those expectations becomes a top priority. Figuring out a way to do it becomes an even higher priority. Because once you figure out how to do it, then you can start to actually do it. Unionization was part of this, or part of the structure on how to reestablish these expectations. Unions in the mind of these people who come from the old way, who come from the old traditions, who come from the old places, they did not see unions as occurring in a vacuum, as they often do today. Unions are something today that are connected to your work. They are connected to the place that you are employed. Well, for these folks, that is not what a union was. A union, a union was akin to one of those societies within the community of communities. It had different moving parts and existed at different levels within the community of communities. Those levels were or did not start at the individual. It started at the family. It started at the community of families. It moved then to the community and then again to the community of communities before finally getting to the communities of communities of communities. And then it would work out from there. The power in that structure was that the expectations which were taken on by the members and their families, at least how it was envisioned by those who wanted to implement it, were then carried on through the generations. The hope was to not only establish the union as a force within industry, but a force within society and an instrument to actually restru restructure and reform society. And the reason for that reformation was to protect the prosperity, health, well-being, and common humanity in every man, woman, child, every community, I'm sorry, every family, every community, every society, every fraternity, every institution, every state. In every state, every country, and then the world. That was the union's goal. By moving through the generations, it would make whole again that which had been fragmented. The old people who came from those old systems understood that what had been fragmented was the common humanity. People were not seeing the value. I'm not talking monetarily now. I'm talking divinity, divinity. 
word that I, I discovered existed, actually, in a book that I read back in 2011, Divinioli. The idea that humanity possessed a common divinial core that was wealthier than any sum of money, any amount of gold, any resource that materially could manifest throughout the universe and beyond was at the center of the apprentice systems that these people came from. Now, I don't want to pretend that all the apprentice systems were like this because they were not. I don't want to pretend that all of the societies in Europe were like that because they definitely were not. There were many societies that came to the United States which were absolutely anti-human, anti-life, and in many instances worse. But these folks who were considered leftists, who were considered detached from the realities of the world that now existed. These people came from a vision that was very old. And they sought to transplant that vision in the United States. And for their efforts, they were branded as enemies to the capitalist order and enemies to the, quote, democratic Republican state. Now, I've talked before how silly it is to put true democracy with republicanism, but so I won't do it here. But, when we talk about leftists, we have to understand that part of the notion of those who are called left is that these people believe in something that was left behind by the capitalists. That part of the notion of calling these people left is that they refuse to let go of a vision of egalitarianism, something that hasn't been defined very well, y'all. A vision of humanitarianism. Again, something that has not been historically defined very well. That a vision that involves what this podcast I used to listen to years ago called Extra Environmentalism. Look it up. It's a hell of a concept and it's a hell of a podcast. These people refused to let go of these things that the capitalists said no longer bore resemblance to the world that they wanted to create. That the people seeking economic enrichment said no longer fit with the realities of the time. So these folks were leftists because they were being left behind. Sound familiar? They were being left behind as the capitalists and their Christian backers and benefactors progressed forward towards a human materialism that would create on earth a heaven. Now, they lied well over a hundred years ago, and said it would be a heaven for everybody, just give it time. But the reality was, it was only a heaven for themselves. Thus, they called the people who did not exist in that heaven and sought to do, to have the economy serve the masses rather than the few, so, sought to have the institutions that had formulated throughout the community of community of communities serve the masses in a common good rather than serve the few 
in their common greed, these people were left behind, and thus they became leftists. Now many of you probably heard that and said, interesting idea, but where did you get this from? Good question. I came up with it. And I'll tell you how I came up with it. So back in 2010, 2011, and for a bit in 2012, I was reading old books. By old books, I mean late 1800s, 19, I'm sorry, 1870s through the 1890s, and early 1900s. I was reading old books. Most of them had to do with social worker, the social worker movement of the time, social gospel, um, and various other themes. And in one of those books, which wasn't that impressive, there was a couple of chapters that were pretty impressive, but the rest eh, could have left them. Um, the author, and I can't remember the book and I can't remember the author, was talking about the connection to the modern union movement, to the apprentice systems of Europe. And I found that interesting, and then I read another book shortly after that, which dove, delved deeper into that. And one of these sentences that he used to describe these new immigrants coming over to the United States was that these people had the indignity of remembering what they had left behind. And they refused to leave that which they had left behind because they knew it was better than what they were walking into. And thus, there was a joke if I remember correctly, if memory serves me correctly here, there was a joke about these people being left, uh, like part of them being left in Europe while their body, you know, came to the United States. And it was the inability of them to reconcile, reconcile that portion which they left in Europe that did their spirit harm enough to agitate it towards trying to resolve um, the contradictions created by capitalism by uh, creating these systems that would mirror slash mimic the apprentice systems in Europe of the old ways. And I thought about that. And I said, so, and I kind of jokingly said to myself, oh, so they're leftists because they have been left behind as society has progressed. And I never forgot that. And I never forgot that. Now, again, a couple of years ago, I was thinking, well, I, I could do an episode on that. But I just, I never got around to being able to actually talk about it. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We are in what many have called late-stage capitalism. We are in what many have called late-stage capitalism. I know there was a brother who actually came up with that. He wrote a book on it and unfortunately committed suicide um, shortly after uh, writing the book uh, due to the despair that... Well, anyway, let me... Uh, the, the latter part I was about to say is more um, speculative. than, And it's, it's better that I don't talk on speculation when speaking on, you know, a person's decision to end their lives. Uh, but I'm not the only person who had the speculation. Uh, other people have too. Anyway, so we're in late-stage capitalism where... The true nature of the capitalists have become formally embedded and present in tech bros, in people who are engaged in 
uh, digital engineering and digital creation. Their mindset and greed embodies the true ethos and ethics and pathos of capitalism. This reality needs to be not only appreciated, but embraced by most people. Because things are only going to get worse if we don't step forward and change the path of where we're going. And the only way that we change that path is by acknowledging the mistakes in the past. The only way we change that path is by acknowledging the mistakes in the past. The only way we change that path is by acknowledging mistakes we made in the past. And one of the mistakes we made was not appreciating this old apprentice system that these people tried to create over here. One of the mistakes we made is this old system which they tried to pattern unions after. One of the mistakes that was made was that we saw the state as the state and not an organ, O-R-G-A-N, built by communities of communities of communities of communities. Because in this country, because of how things are organized, I think there's more four levels than there are three. You have the community, the county, the region, and then the, quote, state. And then, na then obviously, the nation. So there's five, technically. Those mistakes have allowed capitalism to get to a point where it is not just tearing up nature. It is tearing up human nature. Something that is killing us. So, the reason I could talk about this on the back end of this podcast episode was because Joe Biden sees the government's job as protecting or creating a security state. He didn't say for what reason. But we all know for what reason. Whereas these folks saw the government's job as helping to regulate those terrible, terrible human tendencies that mistake security in control for freedom and liberty. True freedom and true liberty, which freedom and liberty are connected to fraternity. Fraternity is connected to family. Family is connected to community. Community is connected to society. Society is connected to culture. And culture is connected to the individual. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know you can always reach out to me. These are the type of shows that I live to do. And I love to do. These are the type of shows that I love to do and live to do. My name is Vimeer D. Sogaya. Contact me at radio, the number four. ALL.net Radio the number 4ALL.net Support the work that I'm doing CWB Podcast CWB Podcast PayPal Cash App Big up to Dr. Obertashaka Black Power 
Media Remix Morning Show. FD Signifier. Karen Hunter, Dr. Greg Carr, In Class with Carr. Roland Martin. Receive. Ah, the Black Eagle. Tom Hartman. Professional Left Podcast. Best of the Left. Nicole Sandler. Brad Friedman. Desi Doyen. De- Desi Do- Doyen. Brad Cass. Y'all know. And I know I'm missing some folks. Countdown with Keith Oberman. And I know I'm missing some folk. Al Franken, I think. Up in there. Uh, yeah, I know I'm missing some folk. But that's all I got right now. Again, I'm your brother, Brian Diesel Gaia. I'll see you on the next one. Because I've been waiting for something to happen for a week or a month or a year. Peace. There's a shadow on the faces of the men who sent the to the wars that are fought in places where their business interest runs on the radio talk shows and the TV you hear one thing again and again how the USA stands for freedom and we come to the aid of a friend but who are the ones that we call our friends these governments killing their own or the people who find they can't take anymore And they pick up a gun or a brick